three, two, one. Hey guys, welcome to Startups of the Week, season three. I'm Sophia Kanthara, and I'm here with Owen Thomas. Hey there. And Alex Wilhelm. Hey guys. And this week, we'll tell you about an entrepreneur that's helping his peers get credit cards, a company that was acquired by Google, and a startup that's trying to transform your desk lunch. That's all coming up on Startups of the Week. So first up, we've got Brex, which is a startup that's trying to help other startups get credit cards. Um, They're trying to do corporate credit cards that are just for startups who you typically have a little bit more trouble getting a, you know, a bank to lend them a credit card. Is that because they don't have a lot of operating history, the kind of credit score that most companies would have that allow them to get these kind of credit it, cards? It's kind mm-hmm. of like you're the kid out of college who's trying to get a credit card and like you, know, you have no credit history. I, I mean, startups are basically in that situation by definition. And so that makes me nervous in a way. Like if other banks won't do this sort of lending, why why is Brex able to do it profitably? Well, anyways, I'm preparing the lead. They raised a bunch of money, right? Yes. So they just raised $125 million um, in a new round of funding. And they only like launched publicly about less than six months ago in June. The company was founded in March 2017, but they've only really been operating since... Uh, since this past June. That's but a really he, young company. Here in San Francisco, we are seeing their uh, their advertisements everywhere, muni bus stops, billboards. I mean, they seem to be doing a big campaign. Now, this is prime hunting grounds for their, their customers, but it just makes me wonder, like, have they really figured things out to the extent that they can afford to advertise like this? I have a suspicion. The answer is no. But at the same time, this is an era of big rounds and quick growth. So people are going to go ahead and invest ahead of uh, that kind of know, certainty. So, Sophia, what did the CEO tell you about why he thinks he can give credit, give credit essentially to uh, his peers when they don't have the kind of history that banks look for? Yeah, so he was telling me the way that they kind of mitigate the risk is that Brex has real-time access to all these startups' bank accounts, so they can always tell how much money that they have, mm. um, which would help them, you know, set their credit limit. Um, and also, although it's, you know, a credit card, they do have to pay off the full balance. The, the startups have to pay off the full balance at the end of every month, so it's kind of more like a charge card, honestly. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. You can't really get too upside down inside of your Brex card system. I like that. But also, this is actually... I didn't know this before we started recording. This is their C round, not their seed or A or B. This is actually their Series C. So they've been at this for, you know, they've raised now a total of $182 million. That's crazy. Well, I think that uh, their investors are probably seeing this as kind of uh, essentially a financial services play. And there is a lot of money to be made in lending. Sophia, one thing you turned up that was really interesting to me is that they're working with an Ohio bank that's like 140 years old. It's called Sudden Bank. But it turns out this bank is also working with Square. Yes, that is correct. So um, Sutton Bank, which is yeah based in Ohio, I hadn't heard of it before, but they're the ones that kind of do the back end kind of stuff. They're the partner. They issue the credit. But Brex is the one who handles all the underwriting and the processing and the technology. Because it turns out you actually need to be a bank to interface with Visa and MasterCard mm-hmm. to issue a card, to accept cards. You've got to have some bank powering that on the on the back end. I found the Square connection so interesting because one of Square's promises early on was that they could underwrite small merchants, you know, these food trucks or like small retail stores that weren't accepting credit cards before, maybe couldn't get a bank to, you know, to set them up with uh, credit card processing. 
And Square's argument was that they could do better a better job of underwriting these small merchants. So maybe maybe investors are seeing that there's a similar argument that you can um, that you can just do a better job, serve an underserved market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at the same time, I'm always told that startups that sell to other startups effectively, loosely, are the ones that are most bubblish and most likely to go away if the market turns. And things are still very hot in the world of venture and startups. But if that slows remarkably, uh, you know, notably, startups will curtail their spending, which will probably impact their use of Brex um, pretty quickly. So, so I think they need to basically do a Facebook play. When Facebook first launched, it was Harvard only. Right. Then it was Ivy League only. Then it was college only. So if Rex can start with startups, kind of get that cool factor from being associated with startups, and then seek out other new businesses, other businesses that are having trouble getting uh, getting credit from the you know usual uh, Chase or Capital One kind of suspects who issue business credit cards, then maybe they've got a shot. Yeah, the downside, though, is you can't turn their name into a, a verb. You can't say Google it because then maybe you just go ahead and Brexit, which is already <laughs> a thing. And I was saving that joke for this entire segment. I'm glad I got that in at the so end. So maybe when they get sold or go public, is that their Brexit strategy? Exactly. There you go. So they actually used that in one of their advertising campaigns. Oh, dang it. They, they did already. Why not just own it? <laughs> <laughs> they said something like they also said, like, just Brexit. Like <laughs> Okay, well, if the irony is already lost in the joke, I retract it and I take away the attempt at it. But anyway, it's a cool company and certainly a play that I didn't expect to go this quickly. It's probably one of the fastest birth to unicorns ever in the history of startups, I think. Uh, it's hard to say exactly who wins that award, but they got to be top five. So yeah, really fast. That's, that's, you know, and again, I think it's financial services. There's a lot of enthusiasm there. We'll see how their bet plays out. So, Sophia, who's next? So, up next, we've got Onward, which is a customer service automation. Owen hates this word, but platform is what they say. So, Um, they do software. Yes, and they were acquired by Google. So is this beefing up kind of the Google Cloud offerings? Is that their uh, is that their notion? So they didn't give a ton of details in their um, in their announcement, and you know didn't want to do an interview this week. But yeah, they work with a lot of companies. Like they work with Zendesk, they work with um, Shopify, um, Salesforce. So this we might be seeing that yeah, Google's trying to beef that up as well. I mean, I wonder if Google is going to use this internally for their like vast AdWords operation. Or if it's going to be an outward-facing service or both. Well, I mean, Google has, I'm going to put this darkly, a history of not having the best customer support or customer service because they're a software company that doesn't have a lot of people working for them in that regard. And that's kind of been true forever, not to be rude. So maybe if this was built into their outward-facing, um, I don't know, touch points, it would be useful. But the internal thing is fascinating, Owen. How could this work inside of a company like Google? How would that kind of play out? Well, I, I'm sure that Google already does a lot of internal automation. You know, it's, it, it is hard to get someone on the phone at Google. They're trying to get better at that. Um, you know, if you think about what they're doing in the external world, things like Google Duplex, where a chatbot essentially impersonates a human, why wouldn't they want to answer, you know, offer that as, an, as a kind of 800 number? And you talk to someone who sounds like they are, you know, Sally in Indianapolis, and they are actually a server farm in, you know, in uh, I don't know, Asheville, North Carolina. There yeah, you go. exactly. <laughs> Pick a place with cheap power. <laughs> um, but we are, we are. I would point out, we are really speculating here because Google and Onward, unfortunately, didn't really reveal what their plans might be. Well, I mean, that's kind of standard for an acquisition of this size. Keeping in mind, the company had raised about 120000 total. Like, it had a couple of small convertible notes and a, a non-equity grant. Like, it wasn't a, a super well-funded AI company. 
Um, so probably so, a smaller, smaller deal. So I would, uh, I would revise my theory then and say that they probably just like the talent and they could have them working on almost anything at this point. Yeah, it could easily be an acquire, but at the same time, though, I always like to see if you were thinking from a product perspective and you plug in the product to the broader Google world or the other acquiring company's world, what would that look like? Because I'm always curious if that's what they're trying to build in general, and now they want a team to come and help them do that inside of their own uh, system. I don't know. Yeah, the, the, I've seen so many talent acquisitions where they really don't use the original product or original idea. Which is a bummer, by the way, because then it's just you're hiring six guys and or six people, and it's too bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, then again, they, you know, the selling startup took the money. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean, it was a two-sided transaction, but I don't know. I, I feel like we haven't talked about as many acquires in the last six to twelve months as we used to three years ago. Now that Yahoo's not buying everything, that kind of dies. I feel, I do feel like that market has died down a little. I mean, I'm, I think it's happening. I think there's just not as many high-profile ones that people get all excited about. Yeah, I mean, like FriendFeed. Like, remember back when that was, you know, when they FriendFeed was uh, led by Brett Taylor, who then Facebook bought it. Brett Taylor became the Facebook CTO. I mean, Brett Taylor's been through, you know, so many talent <laughs> acquisitions. He is now president at Salesforce. And oh, that's right. Though the, Salesforce does does still sell his uh, his office productivity tool Quip, mm-hmm. um, but he's doing a lot more at Salesforce. He's very actually very high up there now. Yeah. Well, I never thought I'd say it, but can we see some more Aqua hires? They're fun. Well, you have heard it from us, Silicon Valley. More <laughs> Aqua hires, please. Um, and speaking of fun, our last uh, company slash product is this week a real treat. So, Sophia, what's going on? It is. So, our last company is going to be Prepped, which is a startup that's trying to change the notion of having a, a sad desk lunch. Um, they are a, a company that makes lunch boxes that are um, they're kind of equipped for meal prep. You can fit like little meal prep Tupperware in there, um, and they also have an app where you can. Um, find healthy meals, cook them, prep them, and bring them to lunch with you. And it's a very sleek little lunchbox, um, a little more expensive. The, originally, they were going for like $69. Now they're down in the like 30 range or 35 range. And this um, is all Kickstarter funded. This isn't kind of traditionally venture backed like we normally talk about here on the show. Yep. So in their first year of having a Kickstarter, um, they raised about like $3.5 million. Um, so it, it's, yeah, very, they're having a second round. Uh, this year, but all Kickstarter based. I love this. There's an enormous uh, meal prep community on Reddit. It's a very popular thing to do. Like on a Sunday, you prep your week's meals. You don't spend a gajillion dollars on like Burger King or whatever people use for lunch these days. I don't know. Uh, but I, I like the platform. I like the actual lunchbox itself. I'm surprisingly enthused by this little company. I think yeah, it's great. Yeah. So when I was talking to the co-founders, they were saying like, you know, they say about one out of three people bring their lunch to work every day and they couldn't find, you know, adult lunchboxes. That's something that you bring, you know, to school as a, ch- as a kid, but they couldn't find anything that, you know, looked sleek and nice that you'd want to bring to work with you. So that's why they, they started this. I would totally go to Japan for an adult lunchbox. I mean, bento boxes are where it's at. But mm-hmm. I wonder if you could look at the size of the Japanese bento box market and do some projection. That's what they should be pitching is imagine, you know, we are the American bento box. Yeah, well, they just came out with four new colors and I believe and a new design and we're I think they use, I don't remember the material, but it's very like compact and sleek and fits all your Tupperware. So, and there's a robin's egg blue color, which I think would be so fetching in Alex's (laughs) messenger bag. Yes, I I think that the blue is perhaps the best of all the colors offered. Um, And if I was a lunch prepper, I would actually get one of these just because I want to like look at it because it's just cute. I don't know. I I feel like I, to be clear, I eat lunch at my desk every single day. 
and it's always sad me with headphones on by myself and no color no light no fun <laughs> no conversation no joy this would at least give me one smile per lunch period and that's a huge upgrade from zero so i think that uh i think that they're not thinking big enough though because Prepped could really be the juicero of lunchboxes. <laughs> what they need are like little pre-prepped packages of like side dishes. And you have to get a special machine yeah. that like squeezes them into the prepped boxes. And, you know, and then Bloomberg is going to do a big expose that says you can just tear open the foil and put them in yourself. Going <laughs> one level deeper, there's a startup, I believe, called Serenity Kitchen that's building this kind of like robot you put on top of your, um, like on a countertop. And it's about, about the size of a large, large microwave. And you put in like food pods and it has this robotic arm that automatically cooks your food for you. So you can have that kind of scoop it right into your prepped. And then all of a sudden you just push two buttons and lunch and you're done. I mean, we are almost at the Jetsons future, almost. And it's way lamer in person than it was on the show. But I'm still in favor of this stuff because it does help people eat more healthy, spend less of their take-home income on on salt and other bad things. So, you know, jokes aside, it's cool. And it comes in baby blue or whatever that Robin's Robin's egg egg blue. There you go. And portion control. Like, there's got a lot of little Tupperware things that I think are great for meal prep and portion control. I've always wanted to bring three blueberries to work, yeah. It reminds me of uh, of President Obama and his six almonds oh after dinner. <laughs> and if you don't get that joke, you can just Google it. It's everywhere. Awesome. Well, I think that's all we got for you guys today. But thank you for listening to Startups of the Week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Read more startups coverage at sfchronicle.com. And crunchbase.news. I'm Sophia Kanthara. I'm Owen Thomas. And I'm Alex Wilhelm. And this is Startups of the Week. Startups of the Week.